All right, take your Bibles with me tonight, please. Go with me to the Gospel of Luke tonight, chapter number 18. The Gospel of Luke in chapter number 18. I'd like to say it's a joy to be here. And uh, I love this church and I love your preacher. And I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart, that my family has been blessed and bettered because of the ministry of the Bible Baptist Church. I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, everything that you've done for our family. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come preach to your young people. I believe that what young people hear is so vitally important. And I appreciate you giving the confidence in your pastor and in me to bring me. And young people that go to the Christian school, I sure hope you've been listening tonight. They've pretty much preached my whole message from this morning, didn't they? We spoke about this life. We looked at that man in Luke chapter number 16, that rich man in Lazarus. And I understand the implications are on the afterlife. And and in hell, he lifted up his eyes. But the Lord allowed me to look at the life before he died. And here's what we say to the young people. They'll probably remember some of it. I don't got no suckers now, so you're just going to have to remember it and smile. Amen. We said this when we look at those two men, that life is not forever. Life is not forever. And then we went down and we said that life is not final. It is appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. And what that, all the ladies have said and Brother Lat said, all the uh, testimonies tonight have been ringing true. When it comes to heaven and hell, if you are lost, friend, hell is your reality. And if you are saved, hell presents you a responsibility to go tell others. You believe that tonight? It's a wonderful confirmation. I hope somebody is listening. Luke chapter number 18 tonight. I do want to be obedient to the Lord. And I learned a long time ago, don't preach what you think will go good. Just preach what God tells you to and it'll be just fine. So preacher helped me out what he said before about Wednesday night church. I love Wednesday night church. I'm telling you what, I love it, I love it, I love it. And uh, I hope you're ready for church tonight. Luke chapter number 18, verse number 9, the Bible says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. What a contrast here. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let's pray together. Lord, we sure do love you tonight. We are so very thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to be here tonight. Lord, I pray, Father, tonight that you would give me the power that makes preaching possible. Lord, I pray, God, tonight that you would empty me of myself, no confidence in me. But, Lord, I pray that you would fill me with the Spirit's power. Lord, help me to be a help to this great church tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I want to look at something tonight in this parable. You're very familiar with it. I want to show you a truth or somewhat of a principle that will not only help you tonight, but will help you every time that you walk through those doors to come into a church service. I'm glad he said what he said about Wednesday night, but let me just echo and piggyback that for just a few minutes. Uh, I'm telling you what, we should never discount an opportunity to be in the house of God. And I know you've heard it, and I know you're going to smile, and I know you're going to shake your head and I know you're going to agree but friend I'm telling you from heart to heart it's easy to slide into church and just sit there and be accountable and present for the moment it's easy to just come in and fill a spot and fill a place on a pew so the preacher don't call you on Tuesday evening it's easy to just come in and take for granted that if it's not this service it'll be the next but friend may I remind you there may not be a next we should never discount any service that the Lord allows us to be in. I want to look tonight and I want to look at these two men. I want you to notice with me first the method of Christ's teaching. When you look at these verses, not only in verse number 1, he begins this style of teaching, but in verse number 9, the Bible says, and he spake this parable. We know that Jesus used parables in his ministry, but to understand and appreciate them, we are going to have to talk about them just for a few minutes. I know you've heard all sorts of things, and I won't say anything that's different than that, but what is a parable? When we look at the Bible tonight and we look at these words, this word parable, what does that mean to us? What is that? Well, we know that a parable would be an earthly story that Jesus Christ used to teach heavenly principles. For instance, Christ would walk by with the Jewish people and there was an instance that he saw a parcel of land and he began to look at that parcel of land and use that ground to show the disciples the conditions of their heart. Was it stony ground, good ground, you know, all those different things. He's using everyday incidents to teach eternal implications and eternal insights. Why did Christ use parables? Stay with me. We're going somewhere. I know you're looking like, preacher, why did you bring him in on a Wednesday night? I know you've worked hard. Just stay with me. We'll get in preaching mode in a minute. Why did Jesus use parables? Why would he do that? Well, if you study your Bible long enough to know, if you notice who is always around when Jesus is using parables, I believe you would agree with me that Jesus used parables to reward those that believed on him, but to reject those that sought to discredit him. You say, well, I don't know. Jesus loves everybody. God loves everybody. Well, that's that's definitely true, and I'm not taking away from that. But let me just say this to you. The, the, uh, The young lady said it for us just a few minutes ago. What a contrast, she said, that one man on one aisle would refuse a track. But you come around the other aisle, and you hand a lady a track, and she took it graciously. Has it ever occurred to you, or have you ever wondered why, that the same message can be preached, and some people will be pulled in by that message, and others will just push away from that message. I know preachers felt it. If you've ever preached, you felt it. But some people will nod their head in agreement. They'll cry. They'll be moved by the Spirit while other people sit on maybe on the same pew unaffected by what has been saying. He would use parables for those that were really looking to get something from Him. They would get it. But He would use parables to reject those 
that sought to discredit and to destroy him. When we look at these parables, this teaching, that truth that I just explained to you hinges all upon one phrase that you often hear Jesus say when he speaks on parables. He says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. I tell you tonight that that has nothing to do with the ability of a man to hear. It has everything to do with the acceptance and will that man hear. I understand that you can hear me tonight. At least I hope you do. There's no greater disappointment than to go home and realize people didn't hear what you said. You might not like what I say. You might not understand what I say. But praise God, I at least want you to hear what I say. So if you can hear me in the back, give me a thumbs up or a wave. All right, we're good there. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. I'm about to show it to you in this parable. Not only do we see the method of Christ's teaching, but I want you to look at the motive of Christ's teaching. In this specific parable, he is wanting to do two things. Number one, he is wanting to expose the Pharisees for who they really are. When I began pastoring just a short time ago, I began to look into the Sermon on the Mount. And I was interested in the Sermon on the Mount. I said this phrase in another place and I believe it. It takes you about 15 minutes to read the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to take you a lifetime to live it. There are powerful verses found in those three chapters. But here is what I found interesting every time. Jesus has no problem calling out the Pharisees for exactly who they are, what they are, what they want, and what they are doing. Don't ever get upset with your preacher when he seems like, oh, he's just singling somebody out or he's just got an axe to grind. He may have an axe to grind. The Bible says that the axe is laid to the root of the trees. There is a responsibility of exposure to the wrong things. You say, well, I don't like exposure. Well, I can prove to you that you do. Thought about this. How many people looked in a mirror before you came? Praise God, we hope so. The reason that you looked in that mirror is because you wanted to see if there was anything out of place, undone. And I promise you this, that nobody, when you looked in the mirror before you came and saw something that might have been out of place and might have been undone, I guarantee you nobody walked up to that mirror, put their finger right in that face and said, how dare you tell me that there was something not right on my face. No, we liked that. We thanked them for that. We were at the restaurant today, and there's two kind of friends in this world, real friends and fake friends. You say, what's the difference? Real friends are the ones who will tell you if you got something on your face while you're sitting at the table. So let me just help you. You say, well, I don't want to offend them. No, no, no. You need to tell somebody if they have something on their face. Let them know it is important to them. Uh, They might have some serious business they need to talk to somebody about. Let them know, please, please, please. Just a little practical preaching there. We don't mind exposure. Jesus didn't either. Jesus always makes a way for us to see and know and follow the real thing. I'll tell you this, that if you're following something that's not of Christ and not real, it's not His fault. It's not His fault. He would use this motive to expose the Pharisees, but I also believe tonight, and here's where I'll settle down and preach to you for just a minute, that He also used this specific parable to encourage his disciples and believers of Christ. If you look at the chapter as a whole and not just pick out this one section, you will notice that there is a truth or a theme that does not stand alone in just the verses that we've looked at. And I'd say it this way, and I don't have time to walk you through every 
every one of them. So hopefully you'll give me the benefit of the doubt. Be Berean Christians. Go home. Study it for yourself. Make sure that I said it was all right. Don't get mad at your preacher. And then come back and worship with us at another time. But I believe the truth or the theme that can be found in this chapter is this. Getting what you need. Getting what you need. And let me say it this way, that verses 1 through verses 9 is that prayer of importunity. You remember that story, that widow that would not leave that king alone? He says, look, I'm not even a Christian, but this lady is just getting on my nerves. I'm going to do whatever she wants me to do. Isn't, oh, I probably shouldn't say this my first time being here, but isn't it interesting that it's not a man asking? You know what I'm saying? Nah, you take that for what it's worth. But I believe we could say, we could use those verses to preach a message about getting what you need when you need an answer to prayer. There is a powerful principle about just keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, importunity. In verses 15 through 17, we see a group of children that are brought to Jesus. And at the beginning, the disciples do not like what's going on, but Jesus takes those children. And there's a phrase in there where the parents are obviously must have told Jesus what they want because Jesus knew that they wanted their children to be touched by him. And so we could preach a message about getting what you need when you need a touch from God. In verses 18 through 13, that rich young ruler walks up to the Lord and asks him, what must I do to be saved? How can I inherit eternal life? And he gets his ideas out of the way. Jesus tells him the truth and we know that he walks away sorrowful and what a horrible story. But even in that horrible choice that he makes, there is a principle there for us of getting what we need when we need salvation. In verses 31 through 43, there's a blind man that is sitting at a gate and he begins to call for the master and call for Christ and he has to look past the disciples and get past them. And I don't know where this is coming from tonight, but look at me. You're just going to have to get past some people if you're really going to get what you need from God sometimes. You're really just going to have to. You take that for what it's worth. But we could say this. We could preach a message about this. Getting what you need when you need a miracle. That's what we find in his story. But tonight we're in verses 9 through 14. And the truth in the theme stays the same. I want to give you three truths, just three simple things, and then we'll go to the house tonight. I know we have much to do concerning Ladies' Day. Let me just say this. If you're disappointed with the preaching tonight, the real preacher in the family is going to be preaching Friday or Saturday. You come back. My wife will be here for the ladies' day. And I sure do appreciate her very, very much. Let's look at verses 9 through 14. And I want to preach to you on getting what you need when you need something at church. Amen. Getting what you need when you need something from church. Now, I used to always start out sometimes, you know, you have your opening statements and just say, well, how many people need something from the Lord tonight? Undoubtedly, every hand would find their way up. Everybody needs something when they walk into the church. But I've changed doing that because, honestly, I just started getting frustrated at people saying they need something and then leaving and not getting it. So now I say this, how many people need something from the Lord? Boom, hands are up. And then I say, well, how many people are actually going to get it? Uh, that makes things a little different, don't it? Amen. 
Uh, let me just meddle in here for a minute and then let me preach this to you. I want you to see that this parable, this scene that we have looked at, it is so relevant to us even today. Here's what I mean by that. Two men walk into the church. Two men both have problems in need of their heart. But two men leave the church, but only one man leaves helped. You say, well, what's the story? Well, that's all our story. Undoubtedly, there's people that came here tonight because you need something. You say, no, I just came here because it's Wednesday night. Don't tell on yourself like that right now. We'll get there in a minute. But I believe that everybody, if you were honest, there's something you could pray for. There's something you have a need about. There's a hurt in your heart, a family member gone astray, a financial situation, a physical sickness, whatever it may be. Everybody has needs. Everybody has things that they need the Lord to do for them. But I just want to ask you, are you going to leave and not get it? What a waste. What a waste. Why would you come waste your time if you're not here to do business with God tonight? I want to preach to you very simply, necessities for getting what you need. Necessities for getting what you need. Number one is going to be very simple. Please do not crucify me for the simplicity of it, all right? Number one, here's what I see that... The first necessity for getting what you need when you need something from church is you must be present. Somebody say amen. You must be present. You say, wow, no duh, Captain Obvious. I'm glad you're with me tonight. But let me just say this. Uh, I could mean this more than one way, but I know this story all too well, and preacher, you do too. Somebody comes to you on a Thursday afternoon and says, well, preacher, I'm really struggling with this, and I really need this, and I need this right now, and I need you to pray that God will break through right now. And I pray, and I'm kind, and I'm gracious. But when they leave, I'm thinking, I just preached on that Sunday night. We just dealt with that Sunday night. And guess what? They weren't there on Sunday night. Isn't it amazing that the things that we find ourselves needing the most, we will find at church if we would just listen and show up and actually be here while we're here. You understand, and I do too, that I know present. You say, well, why are you preaching to us? We're sitting here. I'm preaching to you because that's what your face looks like tonight. Oh, I know you're sitting here. But no, are you really here? Are you in with what's going on right now? Are you focused on what is going right now? Are you counting? I guarantee if I asked you, somebody in here knows just how many ceiling tiles there is in this church. Somebody knows how many light bulbs are out. Somebody knows how many pick stitches are on the thing because they do not pay attention during church. You say, you don't even know us. You shouldn't preach to us like this. Well, I get one shot. Here it is. If you're going to get what you need, you are going to have to be here. You're going to have to be here. You say, no, why do you start out? I'll tell you why I start out with this point. Because it is, a, it is a, honestly, just it disturbs me how many saved people don't want to be at church. It bothers me. It bothers me that we have to beg and plead Christians to come to church. And it bothers me that we have to beg and we have to plead and we have to reward and we have to congratulate people just for coming to church. What else are you wanting to do? What else is there to do? Boy, it gets awfully quiet. It's okay. It got awfully quiet in my church too when I preached this. It's okay. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you why church is so important tonight. Church is a place, number one, of education. 
there's things that you can learn here that Christ needs you to learn. Church is a place of encouragement. I tell you tonight, I guarantee you, the Lord led you to give those testimonies. I promise you, sister, and I promise you, brother, that there is somebody here tonight that needed to hear those words. There is somebody here tonight that needed to hear those confirming things that you told them. I'm telling you, church is the place where we come to be encouraged. There's something encouraging about hearing people sing about how good the Lord has been, isn't there? There's something encouraging about somebody with an outstretched hand and a smile on their face to greet you. There's something encouraging about when the preacher stands up and opens the text and you realize that he's about to preach to you exactly what you need. Church is the place to be for the Christian. My pastor said it this way. He said, saved people go to church and they like it. I would agree with that. (laughs) I would agree with that. Why I come to church? Of course we know. I don't have to remind you. You say, what are you going to do tonight? I'm just going to encourage you about these things. Number one, we come to church because it's a matter of principle. You understand the verses. I do too. The book of Hebrews about forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together, but so much the more as we see the day approaching. It is a matter of principle. Let me just say this. That should be enough. That should be enough. All right, I got a couple of amens, but we'll just come down here just a little bit, okay? That should be enough. You say, what do you mean? Well, if the Bible says it, that should be it. That's enough. If the Bible lays it out and says this is right, then friend, this is right. If the Bible lays it out and says this is wrong, well, the neighbor, it is wrong. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it, and it doesn't matter if you have your own thoughts about it, and it doesn't matter what your mama thinks about it. It matters what the Bible says. And the Bible says when the church doors are open, you need to be here. You say, well, once again, you're wasting your breath. We're all here, okay? Well, when the church doors are open, you really need to be plugged in. That brings me to point number two. Church is not just a matter of principle, although that should be enough for me to come. But I'll say this, that church is a matter of participation. I came to be involved tonight. And let me just stop and preach for just a minute and let me get this off my heart. Hey, we did not come to just watch what other people were going to do tonight. Church is not a spectator sport. Church is a participation game. Church is where you can come and get involved. This is not a stage. It is a platform. That is not a place to uh, entertain or to whatever you think it is. I am not an entertainer, certainly not a comedian, definitely not an encouraging uh, health coach. I am a preacher. I came to preach to you tonight. You come to participate tonight. I come to church to participate. I am not going to come and just sit there and let everybody else do what I am supposed to do. I'm not just going to come and sit around and be here. That's a waste of time. Why come and not get involved? You wouldn't go to a ball game and do that. You wouldn't go shopping and do that unless you're a man. Somebody say amen, praise God. Kick that woman out, tell her to be back at 4.30. You just sit there. But when I come to church, I come to be involved. I didn't come to just see what so-and-so, what brother was going to do. No, I come to do whatever God told me to do that night. It's a matter of participation. But I'll say this, it's a matter of priority. I come to church because it's important. 
come to church. <laughs> yeah, one amen. Praise God. I come to church because it is important. I come to church because it is a matter of priority to me. It matters to me. It is a big deal to me. It is a major part of my life to me. I have a problem with so-called Christians that never come to church. Oh, well, I don't have to go to church to be saved and be a Christian. You do if you want to be a good one. You do if you actually want to be one that's worth their salt. It is a matter of priority. Oh, boy, I'm about to make friends here. It's more important than camping. It's more important than Little League. It's more important than Bowling League. It's more important than Bingo League. It's more important than any other thing that is going on on your calendar. Take your calendar and don't see where you fit church in. Take your calendar and see if you can fit anything else in. That's the problem. We want to fit God into our schedule instead of fitting our schedule into what God is doing. It's a matter of priority to me. It is important. Church is important. Boy, it's important. It's more important than any other thing that is going on. And I'll tell you this, there's a great danger. Getting ahead of myself just a little bit. But if you don't treat it like it's important, your kids won't either. Your kids won't either. No, they won't. Coming to church is a matter of priority. It's important to me. I would say this, though. Am I all right, preacher? Am I doing okay? Church is a matter of provision. It's a matter of provision. Here's what I mean by that. It's imperative for me. There's this crazy thing that happens. I know it happens to you, too. It's usually, well... It's according if I'm on a diet or not. If I'm not on a diet, it's Tuesday afternoon. If I'm on a diet and doing okay, it's about Thursday afternoon. You say, what are you talking about? My wife comes to me every week. It's an amazing thing that happens and says, hey, you're not going to believe this, but we got to go grocery shopping. And I'll say, whoa, we just went grocery shopping. She said, I know, but you're not going to believe this. All that food's gone. And I'm recounting every bite in my mind. I'm thinking, yeah, I see your point. I see your point. I see your point. You add kids to the mix, boom, gone instantly. Do you know that every Thursday evening when she says, hey, it's time to go to the grocery store, do you know where we go? We go to the grocery store. You want to know why? Because I don't care to starve. It's pretty important, isn't it? It's a priority to me. I mean, it's preservation, friend. It is. I mean, this is provision. It's imperative. Well, let's think about it this way. You're driving your vehicle. There's a spot on your vehicle that some of you actually need to start paying attention to. It's the little thing, the little light, the little icon that comes on that has a gas station thing, a little gas pump. (laughs) Hey, newsflash, it's not a competition to see how far you can go past that. Okay? It's not. I know some of you, everybody has them in their church. People that think, hey, I know my car. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. I know that if I park like this sitting downhill, no, you're not. It's bad. It's going to be bad. So I'll tell you what I learned a long time ago because I had to walk one time and I realized I didn't ever want to walk again. You can look at me and tell walking's not a very high priority to me. And I said, uh, when that thing gets close to that E, there's an amazing thing that's going to happen. I'm going to go. I'm going to put gas in my vehicle. Why? Because I want to be able to go down just a little bit farther. Friend, that is how church is to me tonight. I don't know if you feel that way, but I tell you, it's about Tuesday afternoon. My spirit is so down. My spirit is so hurt. I've been in the world for about one and a half days and I need to get back to church. I need to be 
be here. I've got to be here. Some days I think if I could just get there, everything is going to be all right. It is a matter of provision. It is imperative for me. I don't understand how people travel, 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 travel on and then never come back for a fill-up. That's right. Makes me wonder what they're running on. Probably ain't Dunkin' Donuts either. That's nasty. God gave us Krispy Kreme. America might run on it, but I don't. Let me tie this up real fast and move on. I come to church tonight for all these reasons. But I come to church tonight because it's a matter of privilege. You say, what do you mean? I come because it's still incredible to me that I can. I come to church tonight because I'm still amazed that I can. I come because I'm still honored that God would ever save somebody like me and ever meet with somebody like me and ever put my family together and keep us in church. And I know what it used to be like. And some of you ought to remind yourself of what it used to be like. It is a privilege when we walk in through those doors. It is not coming in about your rights, rights, rights. What? No, it is a responsibility. We come in here tonight thinking about what can I do to worship and praise God? What can I do to be an encouragement? to somebody else what can I do to show the Lord how unbelievably thankful I am that he even allows me to come to church it is a privilege to be here but boy I come to church because it's a matter of preservation you see I come to church because I have three small children and they need what I have in church And not only do they need what we have, but we need them to get what we have. Because the longer this thing goes, if they don't get into it and buy into it and continue into it, it'll fizzle and die out. Church is a matter of preservation. Oh, I understand that there's always going to be a place that you... But no, I want places like we got. I want places that are old-fashioned. I want places that still love sinners. I want places that still sing songs that you can understand and sing along to. I want a place that still preaches the King James Bible unapologetically, line upon line. I want places where ladies still get up and testify and I'm not ashamed that they stand up and worried about what they're wearing. I want a place where I can let my children go through the aisles and talk to all the members and not have to be worried about what they're going to pick up or what they're going to see. I want church just like I had. And if I I'm going to have it. It is going to be because it is a matter of preservation. Said all that to say this. If you're going to get help at church, you got to be here. Number two. The second necessity for getting what you need when you need something from church. Not only do you have to be present, but number two, you have to make it personal. You have to make it personal. I want you to look with me in verse number 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He tells us all the things that he's doing, but when we get to the publican, He has nothing to say about other people. He has something to say about himself. He knows who he is. He knows what he needs. He knows who can give it to him. And he makes it 
personal. Let me just say this tonight. If you think I'm preaching to you, it's because I'm preaching to you. And if you ever think, oh, somebody else, no, you need this. If it is good for one, it is good for everybody. If somebody can get help, everybody can get help. This is a place that we come when truth is out. You must make it personal. Hope I'm not being unclear tonight. I'm certainly not trying to be mean to you, but look at me. We don't got time for you to come in and pretend. We need you to come in and get real. God has things that he wants to do. We don't need to waste time acting like, and I'll tell you what, I'm embarrassed by this preacher. It is okay. It is 8.05. You give me five minutes and I shall be done. Here's what I'll say tonight about this. When did we start coming into church to try to fool everybody? God never asked you to come in church and be Superman. God never asked you to come into church and be Mighty Mouse. God never asked you to come into church and press everybody else how you never have issues and you never seem to be going through tough times and you never seem to have a bad day. God wants you to come in and get what you need. You want to know what would help you before you walk in those doors? Take that mask off and put it away and let the Lord help you. If you need something tonight, hey, it's okay. You're hurting tonight, it's okay. Yes. You got a worry tonight, that's okay. You're in a good place Amen. to get some help. I don't know when we started playing games. Every meeting we go to, the preacher's got to act tough. Members got to act tough. No, 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 we don't need people to act tough. We need people to be tender to get what God Amen. has for them. That's, right. that's what people need. Yes. Let me give you number three and I'm done. Necessities for getting what you need. I talked a bulk of the time about the importance of church. There's a reason. Because all that time that I was talking about that, I'm pretty confident that God has put something in your heart and in your mind that you need tonight. So then I'll use the last bit to draw you in and say this. You better make that personal tonight. It's available to you tonight. You can leave help tonight. You don't got to leave the same way that you came. We'll say, preacher, tell me how. How can I actually do it? Well, all I know to tell you to do is what this man did, and that is you got to take the right position. You got to take the right position. You say, "What do you mean?" The Pharisees standing in the corner, but we got plenty of them. <laughs> we got plenty of them. Amen. We got people sitting in the pews now, worried about what so and so is doing, what she's wearing, what he said, who's not here. Uh, yeah, we got Amen. time for that. We got plenty of that. But for the people who need help, there is a proper position for you to take, and it's what that man took. It's not worrying about anybody else and what they're going to think. It's not worrying about anything that's going on after this. It's about you coming down and just looking in your own soul, in your own heart, in your own life and saying, Lord God, I need you to help me. I need you to work in these certain areas of my life. And let me just say this, and I will turn it over to the pastor. If you are going to get help tonight, there is going to be two things that you are going to have to have. Number one, you're going to have to have honesty. Amen. You're going to have to be honest. You know what that man said about himself? He knew exactly who he was. Everything that that Pharisee said about himself was a lie. Yes. Did you catch that? Everything that that other man said about himself was absolutely the truth. Amen. You need help tonight? You need to be honest. You need to be honest. You know, it's easy to be honest. 
We can all sit here and say, okay, I've identified. I, I do need help. Uh, he's, he's telling it right. Even on a Wednesday night, I, I need some help. That's honest. What do you do? Number two, you're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to humble yourself. Amen. Admitting that you have a need is one thing. Putting action behind that, totally different thing. That's well, right. we don't usually come to the altars on Wednesday night. That's the pastor's call. I'm not here for that. That's fine. I'm about to be done. Well, we don't usually do anything like that. That's fine, but I'm just asking you, do you have a need tonight? Okay. Do you want to leave not having a need tonight and get some help from the Lord? How bad do you want it? That's it. How bad do you want it? You need something so bad that you would be willing to humble yourself on a Wednesday night and saying, I'm not going to leave here Amen. until God helps me with whatever it is that I came in that I need help with tonight. Preacher, I'm all done. All right, let's all stand together. He says, give an invitation. I'll tell you this tonight. I'm not going to try to pull you, not going to try to pry. But we all agree that everybody probably has a need here. Would you come? Would you come deal with that tonight? Let the Lord help you with that. She's at the piano. She's going to play softly. I believe Brother Brian's going to sing just a verse of invitation as they get that together. Would you be so honest with yourself and humble enough to not care whatever the plans were tonight, but to care more about you getting help? Would you come? You wouldn't be alone. There's people moving all over the building. Would you come tonight? Would you come? Would you come? Let the Lord help you.